This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And this is Jacob Ross with Longley Fertilia, and you are listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network. Enjoy. Jake doesn't like doing it live. It makes him. I makes never him, said I didn't like it. Gets uncomfortable. I can do it. We can do live. I don't give a fuck. Oh well. All right. Sorry. Monetization Sorry. right out the window. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Started off with a bang. Not that we care about monetization here. You like how I'm matching here? You see this? The, the, it's not even on purpose. It's adorable. I like it. Yeah. It's my 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 rhino uniform. You know just. The, is that a rhino? Did you make that shirt? I did make this shirt. I was on a pretty hardcore kick in the, the design department for a yeah. hot minute. I can tell. At some point I'm gonna make of... an act like do an actual like store <clears throat> online or something. But Gone Central. Not even that, but like there's like an Agurnia shirt that I made and I that Morelia shirts and Pitchu Office and like all the other stuff so we'll see but you need to make me a yellow rat shirt um there might be one at goodwill wow you and montrose can go hang out there and maybe dig through some bins and find something i don't i don't know that's rude or you could just get like a natty light shirt i feel like it's pretty much you know what we're gonna get our own shirts made by somebody else okay how about that Okay. Now you wow. scared. Wow. <laughs> it's getting busy. I sent you business. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I send you business and this is the thanks I get. Wow. Okay. 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 Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Let's just relax. This is episode yeah. 183 of the Herpeticulture Podcast. I am Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And as always, I am joined by Mr. Jacob Bratz of Longleaf Reptilia. I very closely came to saying JLB Morelia. <laughs> Bam, we're still on that. I've got a little bit. I don't know. Down. I don't know. You, you also kind of sound like you just said brats, though. And I... No, man. No, we don't play that here. Okay. I'm, I'm Justin Smith, the Palmetto Coast Exotics, and I'm here with this asshole. I'm Jacob Brats with Longleaf Reptilia. Anyways, the show <laughs> is brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out Facebook, Instagram blackboxcages.com we need to get our selves up that way and get our get our stuff is it ready um i i don't know but i'm just saying we got a we got a plan cuz we got yeah, we got a plan that's a that's a trip you know it's a trip it's not like we're it's just fun, getting down to savannah or anything you know no no it's actually farther than our daytona trip which is mm-hmm. kind of funny yeah but uh, you need a rack, you need a cage. Check them out; they're all the rage. Oh, uh, and then did you do that on purpose? I do that on purpose all the time. Doctor Dre's got nothing on me, dude. <laughs> We're already on SoundCloud. I could already be a SoundCloud rapper. SoundCloud podcaster. Uh, yeah. So that, and then get some hot sauce. Go over to stevesnakeshory.com. Get yourself some Venom hot sauce. That stuff is also all the rage. 
buying it from the Raging Cajun himself, uh, Mr. Steve Kennedy, down there relocating snakes, teaching people about snakes, probably telling just about every person he talks to that cottonmouths don't chase people because um, that's, a, I guess, a myth that will just never die. No. And uh, it's all good. Whether it's cottonmouth sauce, speaking of, that's the best one, in our opinion. Uh, coral snake, pygmy rattler, copperhead, it's all good. It's great. He's got all the sauce. You see what I did there? No. I don't get it. Okay. It's because you're not hip. You're not hip. Is that well, like a? Is that like a? I don't know. TikTok thing? I know. I don't know. All the kids say it. All the sauce. At least I think. I don't know. I'm not hip either. But I'm still trying to understand the whole bussing thing. Casey Cannon. Ever since Daytona, where Casey Cannon just all of a sudden started calling everything bussing, to the point to where it got to be just a joke. Still, yeah. just... I'm getting yeah. old. That's one. Of, that's one of the. That's one of the new sayings. Whatever I don't like it, it is. I don't either. I don't really get it. What but. is new over yonder across town? Um, Besides you forgetting to pick up the GNI last week. Did I forget or did we forget? Um, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I walked out and you said bye. Not hey, don't forget to grab the GNI. So, don't blame me. Um, but not a whole lot. Um. Two weeks ago, I went down to Florida, picked up some hawk-nosed snakes from Elijah Day with Destination Gecko. Um, those are freaking awesome. They ate fantastically. They're very high-quality snakes. Very beautiful. Uh, yeah, pretty sure that's all that's new. I went and saw Skyler Williams with Hail the Scales. After that, crashed with him, saw his stuff, fed some monitors. Had a great time. I still need to hear about this dirt bike thing. I only heard inklings. I didn't hear the the full like what exactly <laughs> was going on. Yeah, that was um. Yeah, it was interesting. That was interesting. I thought it was like a bicycle. When he said bike, no. I thought he meant like you you took a bike off a jump, not no. a, not a dirt bike. Long story short, I sent his dirt bike off one jump, and I landed it. But short shortly after, there was another jump which I whiskey throttled off of and got sent flying about 10 feet in the air and slammed into the off ramp of said jump and almost hit Skyler with the dirt bike. And yeah. He promptly took the keys from you. No, that I was done after that because it was getting dark. I had been <laughs> trying to, I had been trying to make the first one like a couple tries, but I kept like duking it. A little short and i was like i was getting kind of mad so i came around the turn and i just sent it full throttle and i made it did not make the second one even close so all right travis yeah. pastrana that's that's that story it was great his one rule was don't don't hurt yourself and i was like ah. And his bike was fine. That was the important part. So <laughs> that's all that mattered. Yeah, that's all that mattered. Just I was like, dude, shattered my spine, okay? but his bike's okay. Yeah, no, dude. You could, there's like a perfect like imprint of where I landed on the off ramp. Like I dude, I hit that thing hard. I'm not gonna lie. I was a little sore the next day, but yeah. 
came out with minimal purses and no video no or nothing notes. man i'm disappointed in Scott. yeah because he said he was like dude i was about to video that he's like i wish i would have because like literally you just like you landed it and then like you could see my tire track go off like the corner of the next jump and like i just like sent the bike and i was like airborne like 10 feet up and <laughs> yeah it was it was kind of insane <laughs> i just i hit the guy hit the dirt this guy was like, that was awesome. <laughs> it was great. It's definitely a weekend to remember. We packed in a lot of stuff for only a day. But um yeah, no, we had a great time. This guy's awesome. Well that Did you guy. play with his monitors? Yeah, dude. I have a video of me feeding um Blaze. You got a video of that, but you didn't didn't get a video of the bike. Yeah, yeah. Was... The important thing, yeah. Mm. But Got got to feed some of his monitors. Um, I fed Blaze, which is a big one. Um, she crawled up my leg a little bit, but she was really quick to take it out of the tongue, so I didn't get her like all the way up. She kind of just like took two steps, grabbed it, and was gone. I was like, oh man, stranger danger. <laughs> she was a lot quicker than I. yeah, dude. It really is crazy. Like they really, they really, really know. And it's funny, like you <clears throat> you hear Mike and Sky talk about you know how monitors can really tell person to person like you know they know you and um you don't really know exactly how it is until you witness it you know and seeing her interact with sky was it was it was fucking awesome but then like getting her to interact with me was very like you could tell she was like i don't know about this he's got food that's the only that's that's yeah that was all i need but i did get one of his younger monitors to feed from tongs from me and when that happened i was like i am a god but you know mike stefani who (laughs) i am a king but no that was really cool getting one of the babies to feed because it was one of his kind of more finicky ones and i didn't think it was gonna go for it but sure enough started taking the magic touch yeah so that was that was really cool seeing his setups so he had some of the setups when when we were talking to Mike about how he does yeah. like the water underside. I was having a really hard time picturing it until I saw Sky's setups, and I was like, "Oh, this is yeah, it's like off. a setup awesome. over like the basin, yeah. right? and then it's just yeah. drainable and stuff." Yeah, yeah, it's got like a little hole in it where you just turn a valve, and all the water drains mm-hmm. out, and you spray it and disinfect it. It's great, really cool system. And um, seeing it, seeing his setups and like interacting with the monitors, like put everything in a different perspective for me, which was really cool. How so? Like just, you know, like I said, like, you know, hearing somebody talk about how these setups should look and be is one thing. But then when you actually see it and then also people talking about how monitors act and like the whole, you know, how smart they are and how they can, (laughs) they know people and you know it's one thing to hear about listen to it and be like oh yeah that's cool you know but once you see it like firsthand it's like oh my god like this is these animals are insane you know they're they're so intelligent they're so smart and sky just has them so dialed into him you know they Mm -hmm. a lot of them know him they trust him and it was just really cool to see him work those animals and you know i can't say enough about the guy man he he puts so much time and effort into those things you know it's 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 awesome um the cage he has for blaze is 
huge. You know, I feel like it's huge. bigger than it looks. Like you see the videos and stuff of it, but then if you saw it in person, it'd be like it's probably looks like it's actually way bigger than it appears. Yeah, no, it's it's huge, man. <laughs> um, it's a really good, really good setup enclosure. Um, you know, and he's got the Mister, and he just rains it on her for several minutes, and watching her just like soak up all that water. And I tell you what, Blaze is way bigger in person. Really? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I saw her, and I was like, oh my god. She's she's big, um, so that was really cool. And seeing all the little ones, the smaller ones, kind of interact in a cage and how they hit and all that. And it's funny, Blaze is so big, but like you go into the cage. Like when I first got there, we went into his shed, and we walk in. I look in Blaze's enclosure, and I'm like, "Where the hell is she?" You know, <laughs> she just disappeared into her cork log. You know, such a big animal could just disappear and. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it was really cool. I, I genuinely enjoyed it. You know, like I said, I, I love Sky. You know, him and I get along really, really great. He's somebody I talk to, you know, every day just about. And, um, you know, being able to hang out with him more one-on-one and see him interact with his animals was just just awesome. I truly, truly enjoyed that. It was too short, that's for sure. I went there. I left my house at like 6 a.m. on Saturday. I went straight to Eli's place, hung out with him for a little while, which was also awesome. Got to handle his false water cobras, which I've never handled a false before. Um, so that was really cool. Talked to him for about two hours. Hung out in the snake room, got the hogs. And I hauled ass to Sky's house and crashed there for a night. And yeah, it was, and then was back Sunday. So it was, it was definitely a quick trip. It was hard. It was long. I had to be at work on Monday, you know, so it was, it, it was hard, but it was, it was so much fun. Totally worth it. Um, I'm already planning a trip back, hopefully in March to do some herping with Sky and maybe get Eli and uh, Billy involved. Um, if we can, got to work it out with them. Um, so yeah, man, it's, it was a great time. I love visiting Florida and love seeing the people I love. So it was it was all around a great trip and yeah monitors freaking awesome man if i had the time and the space yeah i I would do it but i just i just don't small room two jobs it's no can't happen anytime soon but man seeing him interact with his animals was like dude it's it's just a different in terms of like herps, it's just a, it's another level. Yeah, it's a whole different level. You it's like I mean? freaking Chris Pratt in Jurassic World, man. Like you know, <laughs> like obviously you know that was extenuating mm-hmm. a little bit, but no, it's it's so cool. Um, just seeing him interact with them, and it, it's just the bond that he has with his animals. Is I mean, you can't bond like that with a rat snake or a carbon python you know like you have to grow a true bond with you know your monitors you can you can do it with rhinos i've done it i'm not even gonna respond to that okay (laughs) Uh, well there's nothing really anything new going on over here got some friends coming this weekend uh they're getting their daughter a corn snake nice so they were like you know you know we have an 11 year old what kind of snake what should we get her i was like you can come over and pick out a corn snake. Like I have plenty. It's like <laughs> literally bring her over and she can pick one. Up. Yeah. So they're going to do that this weekend, which I'm pretty That's excited awesome. about. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, it's one of my, one of my really good friends that I've, I've been friends with for a long time. He 
I kind of got him into tarantulas, so he's got a couple tarantulas, has for a couple years now, and so I guess the kids have been wanting wanting a snake, and so I was like, dude, I got you. I was like, don't get a ball python. Get you a corn snake. It'll be infinitely more fun. You should have told him to come get Spurge, man. Mm. No. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe if 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 they enjoy the corn enough after a couple months and they're interested, then I will... Put Spurge on the on the on the table. Spurge is great. Pete's great. He's gotten some size on him now. <clears throat> um, but other than that, pretty much business as usual. We're gonna be warming everything up here soon. Got I some adult corn. I have some like the, corns the corns I was planning to pair, you know, started getting food in them and stuff and getting them sort of prepped and uh and then the raffle is still happening for Slate Reed, so Please go to theherpeticulturenetwork.com. It is right there on the homepage. Still got plenty of slots open on a handful of things. Um, stacking up. Yeah. We got a, a, a good chunk of money raised so far. Uh, we're not we going to get... draw until the 27th. Yeah, so you got a little over two weeks left. Mm-hmm. Uh, plenty of time. Yeah. So. Um, there's some things that I, I need to get in on before the end as well there's some of that artwork i really want to i want to get a slot or two on um especially the rhino rat art because you know, yeah it's a rhino rat so that's a really cool picture. i don't know i like prints and all are cool but there's something about original art that i really really like yeah you know i like knowing that that's like the one the, well if there aren't prints of it like it's the only one that's that exists in a sense you know it's the it's that's it so Especially for that, that rhino rat one that mm-hmm. um, uh, Jeff, yep, um, Jeff Frederick. Drew. Um, I mean, it's it's a really good picture for one and two. I mean, it's the only one, you know. So it's, it's pretty as soon cool. as he said he was doing something with a rhino rat, I got excited because I was like, hell yeah. Um, but other than that, check that out. Uh, and then we're joined here this week by Mr. Chaz Ewing. So, my fellow admin of the U.S. Ganyasoma Alliance, rocking the shirt and everything. What's up, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Hanging out. It's Thursday. This week it's has been Thursday. weird. It, it like yesterday felt like Friday, and today felt like Friday, and I don't. Dude, I was about. I went into work today, and I was about to type out my weekly report to one of my bosses, and I was like, "Wait, I don't do this until tomorrow." Like. Fuck. <laughs> I thought it was Friday and it was sad. Yeah. Um, so Chaz, uh, if you're on Instagram, he is on there as more than Morelia. Um so I mean he's he's kind of a guy that's that's right in our wheelhouse, you know. He likes yeah. Morelia and he likes colubrids and, and all kinds of stuff. Uh so we usually sort of give people the option as to how much they want to dive into like getting into herps and stuff like you can give us the the long version of the short form version but you know how did you uh how'd you get into into herps well i grew up in south florida so right kind of in the heart of everything reptiles i think i had access to maybe five different shops growing up that were within uh probably about 30 minutes of my house uh kind of spent my childhood running canal banks and dip netting and uh 
all that fun stuff, uh, catching alligators and (laughs) (laughs) brown basilisks. And uh, I think I bought my first reptile when I was about 10 years old. And it was your classic uh, long tail lizard. Oh, wow. Okay. That co. Um, uh, which didn't end well. Uh, Never does. I mean, he probably lasted two weeks. Uh, <laughs> little buddy. Um, yeah. Kind of kept some things uh, here and there. I kept a bunch of native stuff that I had caught and everything from like brown basilisks uh, to green iguanas and Florida water snakes. Um Cuban nitinoles, pretty much whatever I could get my hands on and, uh, you know, keep for a little while, I would do that. Um, and I think around 2013, uh, I bought my first crested gecko, um, which I still have today. He's still alive. Nice. Um, That's cool. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's an old man. Um, I bought him as an adult. Uh, so oh, wow. he's... Wow. I don't even, I don't even know how, let's see, 2013 and it is 2023. I mean, he has to be like, like 13 or 14 years old. That's uh, crazy. At this point, um, really fell in love with crested geckos and grew a pretty sizable collection of those. Uh, I think I peaked right around 250. Wow. Yeah. They're, they're so productive uh, that it's kind of hard if you have the space to not acquire that many, uh, especially when each one kind of has its own, you know, unique paint job. Yep. Uh, I mean, you start pairing this with that and... Uh, it's a slippery slope. Man. It's like uh, covered in Crisco. Which which I think, it, I think a lot of times is kind of hard to grasp for new keepers, like what that what that really looks like, you know, seven or eight clutches of one to two eggs, you know, a season. And they times that by even like five adult females. And I mean, you're upwards of 50, 60 hatchlings for the year, just right there. Um, And I think I did that. uh, I wasn't, I had that collection for probably, uh, six or seven years, um, probably about from, probably from 2013. Uh, I think I actually got rid of them in 2019, uh, which I went on an extended trip out of the country and nobody was going to take care of my 250 crested geckos for three months. Uh, certainly not my parents. They were like, (laughs) (laughs) they were like, they were uh, they were definitely supportive of it, but they were not. They were not feeding those animals. Um, I know how that is. Yeah. Well, that was one of the hardest parts too. Like when I was doing cresteds, was like going on vacation for anything longer than a you know an ex like a long weekend or something was really tough because it's like I mean, thank God, like our friend Danielle lives here, who also you know keeps cresteds and stuff because like that's a kind of a big ask of somebody because I mean I didn't even have that many, but I had. I think at the at the peak of it, I had probably <clears throat> eighty to a hundred or so cresteds, and it was like that's that's enough. That's a lot, you know. Yeah. And it's like to have someone be like, "Okay, I need you to come over like every other day and like just make sure everything's right. good and that you know eggs, make sure there's no babies that have hatched and and that kind of stuff." And 
Yeah, I mean, the snakes and stuff, that's the nice part. It's like, I don't have to worry about that. Uh, and even then, if, like, I'm out of town and, and Katie's here, like, Katie knows what to do if, if something needs to right. happen. So, yeah, I feel that, you know, that's that's a, always a tough tough consideration when you got a lot of a lot of stuff you're working with and you want to take time off and go somewhere or something. And then he met me, and I was like, dude, ditch these geckos, man. Just keep a bunch of snakes. How do you do it? <laughs> So I still have uh, I still have that original male. Uh, I have a adult male that I uh, produced, um, and then I have just two other crested geckos that were given to me that were just rehomes that just needed some love. Uh, that were probably uh, probably destined for the freezer if I didn't take them. Just really messed up as hatchlings. Oh damn! Uh, oh man! And I've I've had those animals for. I mean, probably at least eight years now. Wow. You're just doing the awesome. wonderful. You gotta, gotta give them that love in order for yeah. them to, you know, make it. Yeah. Um, so once I got out of the Crusty Geckos, I kind of did, uh, I did a little bit of Abronia for a very short oh, period nice. of time. Um, for a very short period of time. Uh, that was one of those animals I really, I really didn't understand how complex uh, cloud forest animals could really be. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's kind of uh, keeping those, I feel like, uh, is, is a lot of different crafts. You have, you have the husbandry, husbandry side of the animals, and then you have uh, what I thought was like this really advanced care of these plants that would go into these uh, terrariums and vivariums. Um, and, uh, the reason I got out of the Abronia, uh, cause I wasn't, I wasn't happy with the, uh, sources that those animals came from. This was probably about six or seven years ago, kind of when Abronia first started entering the hobby. Um, turned out they were most definitely not, uh, captive bred animals, uh, and a, zoologist uh in ohio sent me a message uh and he's like i'm interested in taking everything you have and i'm just like great <laughs> i will box them up and send them <laughs> what's your address <laughs> yeah uh nice. and you know some of those animals came in gravid uh so then i was dealing with these tiny little alligator lizards uh that i also had to care for um and just decided it was best for those animals. Like they're already in the country. Uh, they've already produced and the females are starting to bounce back. Uh, I figured that was, that was the best thing for those animals to get moved along to somebody that had much more experience. No. Um, kind of from there, I, uh, my first snake really, since I was very young, since I was probably 10 or 11 years old, uh, was a Brettles Python. Yeah, which uh, have always loved carpet pythons. Uh, I was an Australia fanatic growing up and just watching uh, these beautiful colored animals, you know, watching Steve Irwin and seeing them uh, in these different zoo exhibits over there. Uh, I really fell in love with them uh, and the impressive size that the Brettles python can get. Um, and knowing that they're generally a pretty placid and easy to handle animal. Uh, in the last 
uh, I think four years that I've been keeping them. Uh, I've taken I think, two pretty, pretty good bites, but even, even with that, the animals are very reluctant to bite. They're very calm. And most of the time it is one of the pythons that, you know, you can just give to a new keeper, yeah. just put it in their hands and, and know that that animal is going to behave, uh, like it usually would for me you know, as its keeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ironically, I'm I'm getting a male Brettles from our buddy Justin Olson because he has one he's getting rid of. And so, really, he's <laughs> like, dude, you want it? And I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. But <laughs> hey, in in my defense, okay. Damn it, Smitty! Look, I got all these rats now. At some point, I'll have something that will actually be able to eat them within the next like five years in the meantime i'll take the others and i so i got that because i you know i traded that that male chondro for the rat colony and stuff too so i have that empty space for brettles a young brettles it look take your judgment somewhere else okay i miss brettles no judgment buddy i know you miss brettles i was surprised you got rid of them in the first place there's not many things that can beat that contrast between the reds and the blacks. Uh, it is it is easily my favorite. They're the total package. They are. They are. Um, I, I think I would put diamond pythons at the top of my list, uh, but the ones I want are you know fairly expensive uh, for those yeah. cream of the crop animals. Um, I am picking up a female brettles from Mr. Skyler on Monday, which I'm very... Oh, that's good. He's going to you? Or she's going to you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, That original Brettles that I was telling you about, uh, I had popped that animal as a baby, uh, as a female, uh, and it is most definitely not a female. It is definitely a male. Uh, So I'm sitting on three males right now. Um, Yeah, you know. Mistake you gotta make sometimes. Oh, yeah. Make some learning. Um, very excited to get that animal. Um, it's, it's a beautiful animal. I saw it. I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, it's nice. I'm also keeping, uh, some coastals. That's the only Morelia, only other Morelia subspecies that I'm keeping at the moment. And I have 1.3, uh, of those. Um, definitely looking to expand a little bit more, um, on those into, like I said, the diamond pythons. I really enjoy those. Um, but kind of after my uh, Morelia kick, I really, once I started learning about all these crazy rat snakes from Asia, uh, I just got that bug again, just like with the crusted geckos. And I'm like, oh, I have to have this one and this one and this one. That's where all the cool rat snakes come from, man. That in Texas. Arizona. <laughs> Bairds. Bear rats. What was the initial draw to, to Morelia for you, though? Like, I mean, was it something? Like, for me, like, well, I remember seeing jungles in books. or It was probably coastals. They had them labeled as jungles in, the, in like, a couple of just general snake books I had. And I just remember, like, 
Anthony Caponetto's site too. He had a picture of a one of the tigers, and it has that that triangular scale that splits like right in the very front. Right. I always loved the way that looked, and there was just something about carpets <clears throat> and like their head structure and stuff that like really drew me to those initially. And I think that's one of the reasons I never really got big into balls is like I saw carpets and stuff first, and like that that just caught my attention. But that was always something about carpets that I just loved was like the scalation and the head structure and out of the pattern, like the velvety look of them and stuff too. I don't, I don't know, but what, like, was that a similar, similar thing for you? Uh, for me with the Brettles pythons, it is the environment that they live in, how it is so hot during the day and can be so cold at night. Uh, and I just remember being amazed that an animal uh, can survive in something like that, you know, in a place that you'll you know, sweat your ass off during the day, uh, but you can see your breath at night. And this, you know, a place that's really hard for even a person uh, to live in both those climates. And here, like this animal just does it flawlessly. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Well, when you go down to Skylar's, you're going to want, want yourself some poplins. So just I know, uh, man, Skyler's becoming the Papawin king down there. <laughs> nuts. Yeah, it's where it's where it's at, man. That's the majority of my carpet collection. I have a pair of coastals too, but Papawins, man, it's where it's at. And and here's the other thing: I have so many friends like Skyler that are going to produce these crazy animals. There's no there's no sense in me going to buy them right now. No, like, no, no gonna, definitely wait. Right. Definitely wait. Skyler's right, gonna produce Skyler's gonna produce some awesome animals. I'm hoping to have two clutches this season. And um no, there's there's a lot of people working with them. I say a lot, there's not a lot. There's more now than there yeah, really ever has been. Really ever was. Yeah. They definitely they've definitely kinda I'm not gonna say hit their peak, but they've hit a hit a good stride in the hobby. Um a lot of people are starting to realize that they're not dirt carpet pythons um right. and yeah no skyler skyler's one of the guys leading the way with that and um yeah he's got some awesome animals he, he's got some really really awesome animals um so no when you want some he's the man to go to oh yeah he's the man to go to just let me know when you when you agree they're the best carpets out there uh, oh man, I mean, I've all, I've already said from day one that the Brettles is it's superior to everything. Yeah, well, well, technically, technically, Brettles oh, a carpet python. Right. Brettles a carpet python. Ah, ah, see what I did there? We're gonna get into this. We're gonna get into <laughs> this. I, no. I, have, I have not read the more complete carpet python yet, so I will I will hold my <laughs> back. I'm not I'm not one of those people, you know. Morelia is Morelia. I don't know. It's it's a, it's a silly argument to me. I don't really care either way. Your opinion is your opinion. Right. But no. Pop, either way, Brettles included or not, Pop ones are the best. So. Taxonomy isn't real. <laughs> it's all made up. Yeah. Sounds fake. What was the first uh, like Asian rat, old world rat you, you got into when you started going down that rabbit hole? Uh, first old world, old world rat, uh, Vietnamese Blue Beauty. Um. And I bought uh, one on a Saturday at a show and then went back on Sunday and bought another one. I was just sitting in the hotel room just looking at this thing. I was like, 
man, I know they're, uh, I know they're over on that table. Uh, and those ones came from Josh Alder, the exotic empire. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know he's sitting on more of these. Uh, I was like, I don't want to pay to have it shipped. I better just go, better just bite the bullet and go no. get it now. <laughs> um, I really like, uh, high contrast animals, uh, Things like the Brettles pythons, where you get that really, really deep red and that really dark black. Um, and that was kind of the thing that drew me to the blue beauties was uh, the contrast of the blue against the gray um, and that changing pattern down its body. I mean, there's like, it's five snakes in one. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I tell you, Skylar, Skylar's got a massive right blue beauty and like i've never really seen an adult male like or an adult period like up close it's a pretty impressive snake looking at that animal i was like oh my god that thing is freaking massive it is huge that's the only thing that stopped me from getting those two those those i've had that if if i was going to get any of the beauties it would most definitely be blues yeah. Like I really could care less about the Taiwans. The calicos are are nice, but the blues, man, like those yeah, and the, are, the yeah. Grabowski eye, or whatever they're they're called, the Sumatrans. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those blues, man. I remember that was another one as a kid. Like seeing pictures, I would be like, man, I want one. But now that I know how big they get, like that's that's a lot of like I'm already you know, pushing and eye and stuff. I really don't need another big. And pissed I off. saw I saw pictures and stuff, and I was like, oh, that's a pretty decent sized snake you know but when i saw his up close it was it was kind of insane like they make your jansen eye look small your jansen eye aren't tiny snakes you know they're good sized snakes but that blue beauty he's got is a freaking tank dude like i don't think like it's (laughs) it's up there i've seen the pictures and the videos and it's again it's one of those things where it's and again, it, it probably is much look bigger than it than it appears in the in the yeah. us, you know. I've seen the pictures, seen the videos, and I was like, oh, you know, I always knew it was a big snake, but seeing it up close, especially like all puffed up and mad, I was like, good God, <laughs> a bite you from what? across the room. <laughs> yeah, dude, like, oh, like, good grief! Now I understand why he made the face that he did when that thing <laughs> t- took a shot at him. I was like, good Lord, man, that thing is a tank are yours pretty pretty stereotypical in terms of attitude and stuff oh yeah mine mine hate me it's great (laughs) (laughs) isn't that always the most frustrating thing though like you got the like the prettiest snakes are always the ones that are like the the most high strong i enjoy it man that that display is 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 really something i i can't imagine what what skyler's looks like when it you know it's open mouth and rear and back because it'll, I think it'll probably hit you from, you know, five feet away. I think that no. snake is probably, you know, in probably in the eight to nine foot range. Yeah. yeah, It's about eight foot. It's, it's that would big, be a cool species to see in the wild too. Oh yeah, absolutely. That would be, I would probably piss myself. If I <laughs> in the best way possible. Yeah, no, dude. They they are such impressive snakes. Like again, and that's that was the other cool thing about seeing some of Skylar's stuff is it puts a whole it put a whole new perspective on things. You know, monitors specifically, and then seeing that blue beauty, it was like, you know, pictures don't do these animals justice nope. at all. 
you don't realize the size and, and stature of these things until you see one like up close reared up ready to rock your freaking world you know like it, they are impressive animals. square up young blood yeah that's exactly dude i walked in i saw that thing looking me dead in the freaking face like reared back you want something like, dude what that's like, how, dude that's it how it big, is with the jance and i like the jance and i think it's different because that's not like their first their first instinct is to like rear up and go like jance and i it's like they tolerate a level of your bullshit and then they start to do that like you see them start puffing at the neck and you see them start to rear back and you see them looking at you and you're like oh my god here we go and it's like when my female especially starts doing that when i pull them out i'm like i just freeze because if i stop she'll turn around and start going back to wherever she was trying to go but like i feel like with the beauties especially the vietnamese it's it's like nah man you ain't getting away like nah. once you're once you're mine i got a hatchet with your dick's name on it like <laughs> let's go yeah no dude they are they are truly impressive animals it, it's kind of insane you know and he's got he's got a really good setup with his the enclosures huge the cage that he has it in is massive and um yeah it's just a it, like it's comparable to like almost an adult carpet except longer right you know like it's it's insane man like you know i've held i think one of the biggest the biggest colubrid i probably ever handled was an adult male chinese king and that that thing was every bit of seven eight foot long about as big around as my freaking forearm you know and it was that was intimidating it was a big snake but it was handleable but then seeing Skylar's, it's just as big, almost just as girthy, you know, and then it's ready to rock your shit. Like, <laughs> that thing was insane. Are yours full grown adults? Uh, they're, they're not. They are, uh, I actually measured them yesterday and both of them are right, right around five and a half feet. Um, so still got a lot, lot of growing to do. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> oh Yeah. Which I'm very excited about. Uh, yeah, I I don't want them to stop there. Um, they are uh, they are being paired this year. Uh, they're nice. two and a half years old, uh, and the male is right around uh, I think twenty months, right in that right in that range, um, and just kind of going off uh, like how Dan Maleri talks about the uh, Orthriophis. Uh, with them breeding fairly young uh, in the wild. Um, just wanted to see what they were going to do this year. Yeah. I'm giving a shot. Nice. Which that's what, that's what these cages right up here behind me are, these four-foot cages. Uh, one of the females was just kind of coming out, and she was peeking up over the substrate barrier just to <laughs> see. Uh, what you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they are—they're not afraid to teach you a lesson, man. Like at all, when when I go in those cages and they're you know curled up in the corner, it's it's pretty impressive how springy they are uh, when they wake up. Even compared to something uh, like if you wake up a Brettles python, uh, they're kind of sluggish. But man, that blue beauty—they just bounce right up, um, and they're just ready to rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> They're awake, ready to rock your world, dude. Like, let's did, go. <laughs> did you, as far as pairing those, like, do you do you cool those like you do 
other stuff or are they more like a sort of a seasonal rainfall I, kind of thing? I've had these. Uh, so there is a window right behind uh, the stack of cages that they're in. Um, so that back wall kind of cools probably uh, probably like eight to 10 degrees during the fall. Um, and I do run ceramic heating elements in all of my cages. Um, so they probably drop down to 68 degrees at night and then come up to 77 degrees during the day. Okay. Yeah. Would you, uh, at what point did you get into the rhinos? Uh, pretty much right after I got the blues. Uh, this is they're very much like the crusty geckos. Like I was saying, uh, the research started, um, and I want to say I got those rhinos uh, maybe four or five months after I got the blues um, and started with a tiny, tiny pair of rhino babies, uh, which also came from Josh Alder, um, which was a very big learning experience. Um, I think both those animals went between nine and 10 weeks without taking any food for me, which was very stressful. Yeah. When I'm sitting here holding this snake that can fit in a, you know, two ounce portion cup. I'm like, my God, you really need some food in you. <laughs> You're going to uh, die. But man, the, the resilience of them is, is really incredible. I can't say they ever lost body tone or looked skinny. Um, and I just kind of had to wait, wait them out. Um, mm -hmm. I had rosy red minnows in the cage pretty much the whole time. Uh, and they would sit in the water dish and the, you know, after three, four days, the rosy red minnows would just die and they would pay no attention to them. And I would repeat that process, rosy red minnows back in the dish. Um, and the funny thing about those two rhinos is neither one of them ate until I added pinky mice into that water dish, uh, which was very funny. Uh, because they didn't eat the pinkies first. They ate the rosy reds first. <laughs> you guys have this all backwards. You just want to look at it and be like, you dick. <laughs> and I, that's, that's actually for that. That's the most baby rhino thing I've probably <laughs> ever heard. Like go figure like that. They're just, they're quirky is probably the best word for that that species in general they're just they're just goofy and i think the the biggest thing i learned from that experience is rhinos just need you just have to wait them out you have to leave them alone and just wait them out um and you know just with the experience of the other rhinos uh that i currently own i had uh a year and a half old male go off of food for about 15 weeks uh, which it was during winter. It was nothing to be super concerned about. Um, but they're just going to do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like uh, they're just made for it. Like I said, they really don't lose uh, body tone. And you can kind of tell with the older animals once they're going to, once they're going to take food, like uh, that particular male, you know, was hiding in the back of the cage, not wanting to eat anything. Uh, and then one day I came in here and he's got his face pressed up against the glass. I'm like, oh, buddy, are you, are you finally going to eat something? Um, yes. And they just they just pick up right where they left off. Have that you tried rat, rat pups with any of yours? 
I have not. I have not. Uh, I offered. I tried to get. I offered my female. Normally, the female that I have, like, I'll offer her some fuzzies, and she goes crazy over them. I tried offering her a rat pup a couple days ago. I've actually done it twice now, and she no interest whatsoever. Like, didn't even look interested. So this isn't, you know, obviously I have no experience with rhinos, but I think a lot of snakes, like once they get used to something, like anything foreign kind of throws them off. You know, like I have, I have some snakes that won't, I had a carpet for a while. It wasn't until after breeding season why I didn't feed it for three months um, that it took rats you know but i had a carpet that literally i i went a little while without feeding it and i was like okay i'm gonna trick you you're hungry i'm gonna offer you this rat because he would only eat mice and i threw a rat in there and obviously he saw heat and he went for it but as soon as he hit it he freaked out and like flung it across the cage and it was like no this isn't my mouse you know it wasn't until after you're trying to season. kill me yeah it wasn't until after breeding season and a much longer extended period of not eating that he started to eat rats. Um, and I have, I have a pituophis that won't touch mice. She will only eat rats. Which one's that? The female albino Florida. Oh, she will not eat mice like whatsoever. She would eat a live mouse, but she won't eat frozen thawed. Hmm. And she will eat a frozen thawed rat. The second she looks at it. it, it's the weirdest thing, but you know, some snakes are picky like that. And then when they eat something for a certain amount of time, then you give them something else that smells different, you know. And I feel like rhinos, I'm not going to say rhinos are picky eaters. Obviously, as babies, they can be. So that might kind of transfer to adults once they get used to eating something. That's kind of what they want, you know. And then when you try to offer something similar, but it smells different, they're like, mm, I Well, I offer it to the males and the males you know? don't care. The males are like, sweet yeah food. and obviously the female it's, obviously just... it's individual you know my male albino florida pine will eat anything i put in front of him he prefers rats he doesn't eat mice from tongs anymore but he's drop fred mice but if i throw a rat in front of him he takes that thing like it's a piece of candy you know yeah and... i just wasn't sure if that was the a similar experience you've had if you've tried rat pups so just normally none of mine refuse food you know they're whatever it is they'll take it but I was just very surprised that I offered up, you know, a rat pup and she was like, no. I, I haven't tried rat pups mostly because I am buying rodents in uh, the price. Nice. Of, man, the price of rodents uh, hurts nice. the heart right now. Um, and, you know, feeding a feeding a 70 cent mouse versus, you know, something's four times the price. I'm not going to buy it if I don't have to, uh, especially when even something like quail, uh, like small quail chicks are still cheaper than uh, something like a rat. Are you feeding a lot of quail in general? I haven't, I haven't over the last couple months, uh, but I kind of buy them. I'll buy like, you know, a couple hundred quail at one time and just feed them till I run out. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'll feed mice. Um, and I also occasionally feed all the Asian rats, uh, frogs legs as well. Oh yeah. Frog legs are great. Me and Spinny both use frog legs. Mm -hmm. I haven't lately because the ones from Walmart that I've gotten the last like two times, they were so freaking huge. I swear to God, they were like the size of like an Dude, adult rat. I can't like, get them. What the, like I, I opened the box and I was like, what Walmart. the hell? I can't even get them at my local Walmart anymore. They don't sell them. 
the ones I got in the past were a normal size. I was like, okay, like an adult mouse, you know, overall in terms of like size and weight and stuff. But like the ones I've gotten lately, I'm like, this was not a frog. This was <laughs> like, this was like a small dog or something. Like these are freaking <laughs> huge. Yeah. Like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? I ended up like hacking it up to try and get into smaller pieces for some stuff. And then I was like, I'm not going to, I can't buy these anymore. Not knowing if they're going to be a normal size or not. And I tell you, Chaz, I'm the same way with rats because I did I did a lot of math. I do a lot of math to try to make sure I, you know, buy the right rodents and save right. as much as I can. And I found out that two jumbo mice is cheaper than one medium rat. Right. So instead of feeding medium rats, I feed two jumbo mice. Don't get me wrong. I go through jumbo mice. Like it's nothing, you know, I think I go through almost 30 in a sitting, you know, if I feed everything, you know, which that includes the carpets, they don't eat as much as the glue birds, but you know, the things that used to eat rats regularly now eat either two jumbo mice or quail, you know, cause quail of the same weight size is also cheaper than a medium rat. So it's like, you know, the things that eat rats only eat rats in in my in my room so that's yeah rats are rats are expensive <laughs> it's not I fun a, i had a very similar experience with those frog legs i mean these things were like absolutely massive and i just ended up uh you know half in the pair of legs down the middle um and i'm just using them as brettles python food yeah now. like uh in the bone in those legs is so large uh to feed to something uh, like a rhino rat that I found generally prefers a smaller food yeah. item. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that bone is just so chunky. Uh, a lot. Right. Um, I tried frog leg with mine too and got none of, I tried it with the smaller ones. I tried it with my adults and that was another one that none of them showed any interest in too, which I thought was strange. I fully expected them to just go nuts. Occasionally, I've uh, just negated the bone in the frog legs, you know, just cut around the bone with a knife. Um, and I'll feed, you know, just the meat of the frog leg uh, to the rhinos and then follow it up with a fuzzy mouse. Uh, mm -hmm. So, like, a little, bit, a little bit of hair in there and a little bit of bone uh, to kind of bind that poop and whatnot so it's yeah. not super, super runny. Um, and that seems to work pretty well. Yeah. The only things I had really good success with on the frog legs i think i had one rat snake that would eat him but not from tongs he wasn't about it you know you drop fed a couple um but the only things i really had success with with the frog legs was water snakes the water snakes loved the chopped up frog leg meat they were all about it but you know anything else just kind of looked at it weird They're like, eh, yeah i got kind of mixed yeah. results too the Boyga loved them. The Jance and I were kind of a hit or miss sort of situation. Um, I have a couple corns that love them. Some of the Bairds enjoyed them. Uh, I think even the female Subok took some, which was interesting. But Yeah, some of those more like arid species kind of surprises me. It was the southeastern stuff, you know, that really surprised yeah, the ones me you that they weren't about it. And, yeah. you know? right. Like, you guys definitely see these regularly, and I know you eat them. You know, like, I don't know. It was, it, it's weird, you know. And again, I think it kind of goes back to 
snakes kind of being, you know, we as keepers, you know, the majority, I'm not going to say everybody, the majority of us kind of feed the same things more often than not. So when you give them a foreign item, it's kind of like, you know, what, what the hell is this? You know, so I, I think that kind of goes into it. Snakes get used to a certain item when you feed them that for several years straight, then you give them something different and they're not really about it. Right. Um, so I'd be interested to try quail eggs too. Now that I've my, my biggest male rhino, he's big enough to probably take a, a quail egg. Dude, Skylar swears by quail eggs, man. He's got a whole whole bin full of quail eggs. Well, his also have that that scent to him that Yeah. Like the store bought stuff don't you know like yeah, that's kind yeah. of the issue i think i've had when i tried to offer quail eggs to some stuff is like they were store bought so they were clean and you know more or less you know sterile quote unquote and right didn't have that that bird sent to them skylar brought down an entire coffee can of quail eggs to daytona uh and i could have sworn i put that can of quail eggs in the car when we were leaving the- no. <laughs> but we didn't uh the only place that it could have gone i mean we checked we checked everybody everybody's car and the only place uh that it could have got left is in the hotel room refrigerator which that poor house cleaner was Dude, imagine imagine <laughs> the all the weird stuff this? house clean the house keep like housekeeping people right. find after daytona in those rooms like I mean, I mean, it was, it was, it was probably 200 eggs. Jesus. <laughs> like, man. But I'm, yeah, hoping- I'm, I'm kind of pissed. I meant to actually, he offered me some quail to take back like bigger adults that he wasn't going to be feeding for a while. And I was like, hell yeah, dude, I'll take some. But then like I was going to leave and I forgot to get like a styrofoam cooler and I didn't want a chance bringing them back. Like frozen getting, ones? Yeah. Oh. I didn't want a chance bringing them back, like not in some type of cooler. So I was like, nah. I don't, I've been very I don't tempted to, nasty. to try getting some of those going too, man. Dude, if I had the space, I would do it. Like I've got the incubator. I would. I, if I had the space to actually keep some adult quail, and don't get me wrong, it's some work. Skylar's in there every day. I saw his pen right. and all of his animals. It, it takes, it takes some effort and it takes some dedication, but. If I had the space and time for it, I 100% would fully round out Smith Farms. <laughs> Got to be full circle. Be, but see, quail are more like a. Skyler's in his pen every day mm-hmm. doing stuff. Like it's a dedication. You know, it's not really as as black. And how white many? As mice how many are. do you think he has? Like like breeding stock wise. If I had to guess. Anywhere between twenty five and fifty, hmm. I would think he's closer, right there in the middle. You know, you'd have to ask him, but he does. It's not a small amount. You know, I saw the quail be bopping around and his little pin that he's got out there. There, there's quite a few, and he gets a ton of eggs, man. I've seen the pit. Yeah, he sent some pictures and stuff of what he's yeah. pulling. It's nuts. Yeah, dude, they they produce like crazy. He's got a couple white ones running around in there. <laughs> it was really cool, like seeing his pin and going in there and checking them out, and you know. But that's like daily water change type thing because they discuss their water every single day. 
you know, it's a lot like chickens, basically. That's how I saw it. You know, I know they're not chickens, and I'm sure there's a difference, but, you know, everybody I know that has chickens is doing the same things every single day, you know, like spraying out waters, changing them. Well, does he have, like, the like the dish with the, the bottle that... Yeah. Okay, yeah, those get gross yeah. real quick. Yeah, no, they, they do. But that's the thing with any type of fowl like that, they get you know, they're all up in their waters and they're throwing. Yeah, but they make you know, drip the dirt and yeah, drip systems. Gross. Maybe not. Yeah, that would be a little different. Um, but still, you have to clean out whatever the heck they're drinking out of. Hmm. But no, they're they're cool, man. If I if I had the space for quail, I would I would do it for sure. Plus, they're cool. I like quail. They're one of my favorite birds. But. They're, defi- they're definitely a lot of work. Not that breeding rats isn't. I've run a rat room before. Uh, yeah. But I think you're either you're either spending your money to, you know, buy rats and mice or you're you're trading your time to raise them yourself. Uh, yeah. And that's that's definitely my plan as soon as I have uh, the appropriate space to do it. Uh, my garage is all insulated up right now, like over the over the garage door, I got like foam insulation panels uh, in the whole garage, which is absolutely stink. Oh if yeah. I if I tried to do rats or mice inside there, uh, like I'm just not even going to attempt it because I know it's going to be yeah. terrible. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like I went through a hundred pounds of rodent diet over the course of the last three weeks that I've had the rats. Oh my God. Between the rats and the mice. Mm -hmm. So that's been an adjustment. Yeah. I think like, I think overall breeding your own stuff helps. And I will say, especially for quail, you know, I think breeding your own is better because of the quality. You know, you know what you're feeding them, you know, what's going into them. Versus buying them from Rodent Pro, because let's face it, Rodent Pro is the best place to get quail from. They're one of the only places you can buy bulk frozen quail from. Um, but it, it's not the same. You know, I'm not talking smack about anybody. I buy quail from Rodent Pro, but they're the feathers are falling off during thawing out. You know, they get kind of they smell kind of weird. You know, it, it's different when you're breeding your own, you know, rats and mice, you can get quality rats and mice from people breeding. You can buy those. That That's one thing. And I think breeding your own, it almost evens out, you know, if you're doing it, at least in bigger numbers, if you have a small group and that feeds your collection, then that's, that's different. Um, but as far as quail goes, I think the biggest difference is the quality that goes into them. Cause everybody talks about if you feed any type of fowl, um, you're, snakes are going to have diarrhea you know that's pretty much the consensus you know you're going to get runny poops it's going to be kind of gross um but skyler with him feeding his stuff he's like dude they're they're solid they look great you know because he puts a lot of time and effort into what he feeds his quail you know and i think that's the biggest difference in breeding your own stuff versus buying frozen in bulk you know that's just my two cents what do i Especially, he's trying to keep them in a more uh, natural way that the bird can be, you know, more more of a bird rather than like a commercial uh, commercial quail like breeding pen that they have. 
where you know they lay the egg and i think the egg like like rolls out like into a little catch tray into the front uh you have like limited space to move um but you would know better jack i'm pretty sure that those quail have like dusting areas in the sand well they'll like throw the throw the sand up over them uh to clean themselves and cool off um and i think that definitely plays a part in his success you know allowing that animal to to do what it's made to do yeah, no, he's definitely uh, he's definitely got a good setup going on over there for for the quail. You know, it's not it's by no means like you know most of his yard he's got, but it's like you know, like I said, it's like a chicken pen, right? You know, at least that's how I looked at it. You know, and for a, you know the amount of quail he's got, it's it's perfect. You know, it does does really well, and he has a ton of success doing it. You know. Like and I said, uh, if I had the space, I would do it. You know, too. I rent, so I don't own my house. Me too. If I, own, if I owned my house, it would be a different story. Um, but, you know, it would, yeah. No, I would love to breed my own quail one day. I don't think I'll breed mice on my own, but, or rats, all that. But quail, yeah, I can get down with it. And they're delicious. like you're too big for a snake you're going in the skillet buddy right boy that's right yeah yeah so how's the uh oxycephalum doing uh the oxys are the oxys are doing much better over the last few weeks last few months uh than they were when i picked them up in daytona um that was a that was a huge learning curve picking up those red tail green rats um when i uh brought those two animals home um well let me start when i picked them up uh from the show that's how uh justin and i uh originally met i asked him to take a look at those animals before i purchased them um Supposedly captive bred, but some of the some of the coloration uh, of the animals uh, compared to some uh, locality information uh, from what you would generally see, like a Malaysian to Malaysian animal or an Indo to Indo animal, um, they do not appear to be captive born and bred um, because one of them is very. Uh, has a lot of reds and silvers and oranges and the other animal is uh all silver with a little bit of yellow uh on its head um and assuming they came from the same clutch which there was another uh red tail along with those Mm -hmm. uh that my buddy tyler currently has um it just doesn't make sense to me from talking to a few other people that those animals uh, could have been captive from a Malaysia to Malaysia right. animal because uh, they look they look nothing alike. Um, and I did I did see some pictures uh, of the adults when I bought those babies, uh, and both of them to me looked like uh, they were animals out of Malaysia, just straight green red tails um so i don't i haven't i've yet to put together a good story on on where these where these babies 
came from. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyways, I took them home um, and went to feed them. Uh, the smallest one regurgitated the next morning. Um, and over about the next three months, uh, regurgitated 13 times on me. Oh my God. Um, just would eat every time I fed it. Uh, and sometimes would keep a day old pinky mouse down for like three days. And I would just get this nasty half digested regurge. Um, all the while I'm still, I'm still medicating the snake, uh, giving it metronidazole, you know, to fight amoeba and hopefully stimulate that appetite enough. Um, giving it panicure to hopefully, uh, you know, fight any parasites that, that it had inside of it, thinking that was the only way that I was going to get this thing to thrive short of, you know, putting a tube down its stomach. And they were pretty small animals. Um, and being that they're fairly high stressed, I did not feel like that was the best option at the time, especially since, since this animal would continue to eat every single time. Food right, that's odd. I mean, she would just, she would just pound it. And that was the only one that would eat off tongs. The other two that were doing great wouldn't take food off tongs, but this one that was like, just hadn't eaten, you know, in two and a half months would just fly out of her hide and nail a pinky mouse, uh, keep it down for two or three days. And then it would come right back up. Um, so then I just started kind of playing around with, uh, how I would dose her. And I ended up just mixing up a concoction of, uh, panicure and flagell, uh, just kind of whipping it up, um, and coating this pinky mouse in it. And once I started combining those two medications together, that's when I started getting, uh, food to stay down. Um, took a long time to get the animal rehydrated. I mean, I was dropping water on her head out of a straw. Uh, she was very, very fearful of, uh, of the mister, didn't want anything to do with it. But if a nice big water droplet, like if I could, uh, get the straw really close, uh, and like almost put the tip of the straw in her mouth, you know, holding my finger on one end and just let water out of it. Uh, she would sit there and drink. Um, and all of those animals are doing great now. I'm doing, uh, batrial treatments on them right now. Uh, and they're about halfway through uh, that treatment. Um, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how, how they made it, to be honest. It was just kind of one of those things like you, you should be dead. And there's, I don't know how, I don't know how. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember, don't, don't question it, man. Just, just roll right. with it. Just yeah. roll with it. <laughs> and I remember seeing those at Daytona when you asked me about them, I looked at them and like, I mean, in terms of, if you know them being imports and even if they said they were captive bred who knows whatever but i mean they were objectively like they were they were really solid looking animals like they looked I, healthy there was nothing I, like they didn't look dehydrated they didn't look thin like they looked they looked good um i think that's that's kind of what i've said with with like the jansen eye and stuff is i think you have you'll have the best success with with imports in particular if you get them as young as possible Right. Kind of like with chondros too. I think, um, you know, adult chondros that are imports, I don't think they ever fully acclimate 
right to a degree like there's always going to be a little bit of them that just that just is always going to be have that sort of just wild caughtness about them in terms of like attitude and stuff like that um but if you get you know a baby biok and you raise that up they're just you know you get them all dewormed and on the up and up and stuff i mean they're just as rock solid as captive bred stuff is it's just a matter of getting them there and i think with ganyasoma especially true ganyasoma stuff i think that's the case as well um but yeah i mean that's that is in dealing with what you dealt with with those in terms of regurgitation and stuff like yeah by all means those those on paper those should not have survived you know going right. through what they went so Especially regurging that many times. Yeah, like, and I think if, takes if you've got them, if you've got them to a point now to where they're solid, I think you're you're pretty much in the clear yeah. at this point. Yeah, for sure. Right, and no, I'm not fighting any respiratory issues on them or anything. I feel like the husbandry is pretty dialed in as far as temperatures and humidity on them. Um, and I waited around to you know find these these particular animals come across babies. Uh, for that very reason, knowing that if I bought adults, uh, one, I'm going to have to medicate, you know, a six foot pissed mm -hmm. off or a tail green rat snake. Uh, yeah. And the, the bites are not enjoyable. Um, and knowing that the death rate on those animals is very, very high. I just, I just figured I better just wait it out. Um, find these, uh, you know, little animals that I can start off and, you know, uh, latch top totes, or six quart tubs and really work with them uh, from there. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the other deciding factors was like before breeding stock, these are all my pets and I didn't want to buy, you know, a big old scarred up, beat up, yeah. you know, red tail because I just, I don't find it as enjoyable to look at. I honestly feel mm -hmm. a little bad, you know, looking at this thing and it's like, man, you, you look like absolute hell. Uh, yeah, like you should have stayed where you came from. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. You should have stayed out there. <laughs> they, although there, I will say there's a place for those. Like when they've been brought in, there's a place for them, you know. But it's not for somebody that it's not for the faint of heart, you know. Yeah. Like granted, when an animal's already been imported and brought in, like it's got to go somewhere to get the best treatment it can. Scarred up. You know, right. mite and internal um, parasite infested, whatever. There's somebody that can take good care of it. There's always a place for, for that. Sure. Um, but it's definitely. Well, that's how we get captive bred stock is you got to have yeah. people that are willing to take the, you know, roll the dice and, and jump through all the hoops they got to to make sure the animals get established and are in, you know, good shape. And that's kind of always the odd thing. Like oxy, uh, oxycephalum in particular. You see them imported a lot. Mm -hmm. You see them all the time. Like you see, you see oxys imported, and you see them on online. You see them on tables and stuff. And it's kind of similar to, maybe not to the extent of like Candoya, but it's like you see all these come in. And you're like, where do they all go? Right. Like clearly, people are buying them because mm -hmm. they're coming in still. And you gotta wonder, like, how many people are are getting these thinking and i get it's you know it's same with with wild caught mangroves i think as well mm -hmm. you know people get them and they think that it's just going to be sort of a you know walk in the park no big deal you know get some food in them and whatnot and it's like it just they're like quicksand in the fact that like if you get them and you start treating them 
and hitting them with, you know, why, adults in particular, I think, especially like you get them and you start hammering them with, with dewormer and you hammer them with all these other things and you're not letting them get hydrated and acclimated. Like you're, the more you, you fight it, the worse it gets. Right. You're right. And so I like in talking to, to our buddy Nipper over in the UK, um, that was something he had mentioned, you know, with, with true Ganyasoma, he's like, you know, you get them, leave them be, don't try and medicate them right out the gate. Like give them a couple weeks. Like the parasites aren't going to go anywhere. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to kill it overnight or anything like that. Like they can live with them for a little while. It's not like it's, it's take care of them immediately or it's done. Right. Um, like let them just have it, let them carry it for a little while, let them, let them chill a little bit and then sort of introduce it. Cause it's like, you're already dealing with an immunocompromised animal that's super stressed, dehydrated and almost definitely. And then you're throwing effectively like what's poison into their body. And that's got to go through like their kidneys and their liver and stuff. That's already struggling as is. And it's just, it's a recipe for, for failure. And where do you like, where do you think people kind of go wrong with those on, on that front? I think, I think you're right in saying uh, that hitting them right off the bat with the medication is not a good idea uh, because the reality is, reality is these animals are full of parasites in the wild. They yeah. just, they just, right. don't have, they just don't have the stress factor uh, that, you know, makes that virus or parasite uh, active. I am not a vet, so I couldn't explain it to you in any, any better way than that. But you know, the, the catching or the importation doesn't give them the parasites like they they had it all along when they were sitting up in there sitting up in their tree in malaysia exactly. um, so i think you know in the event that you do get uh imported animals just trying to replicate that vi- environment of you know it being quiet uh really focusing on hydration um and just reducing stress levels as much as possible um like the tub that i have my jance and i in now uh big latch top totes uh, I have uh, paper all the way around the tub. Like those animals can't even see out just reducing that visual stimuli as best I can. Um, and that has seemed to really help, especially with the, with the larger Jance and I that I got just a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, before I put that paper up, like the first day that I got her, uh, like she was, she was just, you know, S'd up, puffed up. I mean, for hours inside that tub. Um, you know, I was getting everything set up, um, and they'll just stay like that, just in that defense mode. It's like their brain just doesn't shut off and they're constantly in a state of fear. Everything's Uh, trying to kill me. Yeah. Right. Um, and even like occasionally now I'll go in and, you know, peek behind that paper. Uh, and she, she's, you know, perched up how I would picture, you know, a wild Jance and I like, uh, She's sitting there doing her slow tongue flick and, um, you know, pretty, pretty content, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, and this is just a personal opinion. I could be completely wrong. But I think when you start the whole internal parasite, you know, treatment, I think, you know, again, in my opinion, I think it would be better to start with light treatments. Right. Versus, you know, no matter how long you wait, once you start, start light, you know, don't pump them full of the max that people recommend, you know, start with a quarter of that, just something to kind of start the process, you know, build it up more and more until they're 
bodies kind of get used to it because I, you know, I feel like if you, once you start it, if you pump them full of, you know, their max load, it's going to be kind of a shock, you know, like start yeah, them, man, foreign start substance. Them with, yeah. You know, it's a foreign substance. You're putting it into a rodent, you know, start, start small, give them a couple items with none and give them a couple with 25% of what they can take. Mm-hmm. You know, after a couple months of that, give them 50% of what they, what they can take, 75 to 100, you know, and then really clean them out. Yeah, it might take a year right. to really do it, but that's what quarantine's for. You know, that's mm-hmm. that you have to do these things for these animals, you know, especially stuff that, you know, like your Asian rat snakes that have gone through literally hell and back coming through the states you know they are beyond stress you have to take every precaution that you can you know you don't want to pump them full of you know your panicure the the full amount the first Mm -hmm. treatment you know that could kill your animal you know and you know again that's just my opinion i don't know these for facts but that's at least how i see it you know it's like anybody taking any type of medication you know you kind of have to ease into it or you're gonna really screw yourself up you know and you know snakes are no different in my opinion so and i think starting with that uh starting with that flagell uh you know it being a appetite stimulator Mm -hmm. uh and simply fighting uh the amoeba and protozoa in that animal system before you whack it with something like panicure uh that has really seemed to help me also uh, yeah. taking it one step at a time and like if that animal doesn't want to eat like that flagell should stimulate the appetite enough uh to get a few meals in it um and then i was taking uh syringes and then just putting the flagell inside of the rodents just injecting yeah. it with water in really light doses uh inside that rodent have you noticed any any difference in terms of keeping the Jansenite versus the Oxys? Any any major differences that stick out in terms of yes, how they... I'm keeping them the exact same way. Mm-hmm. The exact same way. Um, they have a they have a hot spot of 83 degrees, uh, which I will say they're almost uh, almost never on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're usually in the front of their tubs, um, and like say I fed them tonight, they would be in, they would probably be in the back of that, uh, in the back of that tub, uh, on that heat source for maybe 24 hours. And then they're right off of it. Um, I do have a, uh, much larger, uh, rack coming on Wednesday, 110 quarts. Um, so those animals will really be able to, uh, get up off the ground now. And I already have some, you know, branches picked out to outfit those tubs with. Um, and the Jansen and I are never on the ground. Uh, in these latch top totes that I have, they're always, always up really high. Mm-hmm. Um, See, we- mine have, my adults have, have a perch, but they're, if they're on it, they're cruising. It's, I've, it's mine have been the opposite where mine are almost always in their, their court yeah. log or court they're round. High and, a lot. Yeah. Now, if I had had them in something taller where they had more sort of elevated options and, and coverage that a lot of visual barriers and stuff up higher, too, that may not be the case. And eventually I'll find out because I do want to upgrade them into something that's got more vertical space to it. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I like you look on on iNaturalist and stuff at, at Jance and I, and they're almost always in a tree. Yeah. Which which they could just be off the ground because I have those tubs, you know, completely wrapped in paper, uh, and they can't see in or they can't see yeah. Uh, yeah. out of that tub at all. Um, and I'm sure it, even if they were off the ground, as soon as they shot, as soon as they saw me without that paper, I'm I'm sure they'd be shooting down to the ground uh, yeah. to hide. Uh, the red tails uh, are still pretty small. I would say they're probably somewhere in between like maybe like 12 and 15 inches right now. Uh, so those have just been in six quart tubs in quarantine. Uh, they're not coming out of quarantine for a long time. Uh, yeah. But their their next upgrade is going to be uh, these 110 quart tubs that are just going to be oh, completely, wow. completely packed out. Um and one of the red tails is a little bit bigger than the other. Uh, that's the one that didn't have the regurge problems. So I'm going to try her in that larger tub first and just kind of see how she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because I'm just drop feeding them in front of their hides, like whatever hide they're in at the time, whether they're in uh, the hide that's on the heat tape in the back or they're in the uh, cool hide in the front. I just drop the mice right in front of the hide and they eat them every time. Yeah. Uh, so kind of my same game plan when I move them up into these uh, bigger tubs. Um, and I'm just going to kind of gauge how they're doing doing from there. Um, and for that bigger Jansen eye uh, that I just got a few weeks ago, um, I have a four long by three tall by two foot deep enclosure coming on Wednesday also. Um, and the plan is to just pack that uh pack that cage out with cork and branches and humidity hides and just paper the whole front of the glass. Like I don't even care about seeing the things at this point. Like I'll get to see them the rest of their lives, you know, as long as Mm -hmm. I through this, through this, through this process. Right. Um, And I have heard like some people say that their red tails and Jance and I will be out on display, you know, after they've really settled in, uh, but I kind of got it in my head that it's really just not that animal. That's uh, I don't know. I've had mine for two years, man. And it's like, as soon as I walk in the room, if they're out, they're gone. You know, the, the purpose of, of getting them is, you know, not for it to be that beautiful display animal, right. even, even though they are, but you know, the point is to put more captive born and bred animals into the hobby. Um, which I've had, I have heard, uh, from a couple people, um, like uh, Daniel from Daniel Snakes, um, he said that his captive-born and bred babies um, are much less inclined to bite, are much less flighty, and I'm curious if an animal like that uh, could potentially be, you know, that beautiful display yeah. animal that is, uh, you know, way less stressed. But I think those wild ones, like it's just ingrained into their brain that everything is going to kill them. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if you ever get that out of them. Which um, which is kind of what we're saying about those adults never never really acclimate. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like mine, you know, the reason that I I even that Doctor Loafman sent me the ones he had is because he had them on display, and he's like, they're horrible display snakes. Like they just they don't do well with a ton of movement going on outside the cage. Like, and so when I got them, I fully expected to to really not see them much. And I was kind of of the opinion, like if I'm not seeing them, then good. Like they're they're content. You know, if I'm seeing them all the time and they're cruising constantly, like that's a problem. Um, 
and I'll see him every now and again. Like I'll walk in the room and sometimes they'll be out and they'll kind of just sit there and freeze. But most of the time if I walk in, I'm like seeing the very end of the tail as it goes under something, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. I mean, that's like, if someone's going to get into these and they get imports and they get them settled and stuff, it's like, <clears throat> if you got a snake, that's, that's going to be sort of eye candy and stuff like they're not going to be it, you know? And I think maybe there's a, people don't realize that getting them. And so they, you know, they look cool on the table and then you get them and it's just a giant pissed off snake that wants absolutely nothing to do with you. Yeah. You know, they kind of lose the allure pretty quick and they are a snake that I think or a, a genus in particular with the true Ganyos. That's like, you really do have to love them for what they are because mm-hmm. like they, you're not the, the you, there's, there's pretty severe diminishing returns on, right. on them. You know, they're like, they're, they're not that pleasant to deal with when they're out of the cage. You know, you're not going to see them much. Um, and I'm okay with that. Like, it's just a cool species. Like Jance and I were a dream species for me. And so when I, you know, I got my pair, it was like, I was just happy to have them. I was like, I don't even care that I don't ever see them. Like, that's fine. Like it's just a badass snake. Um, and so now like I'm at the point where it's like, I've had mine for, I'm pretty, it's going on at least two years now. And, I really want to, you know, I got a small clutch of eggs out of them last year, about this time last year, actually, I think might've been the year before last. No, it was definitely last year. Um, now it's like, this is the year where I've, I'm like, okay, now I need to sit, like really put some focus into it and figure out what I need to do to get eggs to happen again. And um, I just, you know, you just got to sort of know what I guess you're signing up for with them and, and, not expect much you know if you want something that's out all the time and is going to be fun to play with and a, a brettles python is definitely the route to go it's but i found even with like just getting the percentum recently from from matt um you know i have the male in a bio g and he's out just as much as the rhinos are um i've kind of come to the conclusion that they're like the 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 yin to the rhinos yang like they're just as out and about and stuff as the rhinos are, but they're not nearly as friendly or like fun to play with, <laughs> but they act very similar in terms of like, they're out, they're curious, you know, they're, they're just, it's like a, a, a rhino in terms of behavior, but in terms of interaction, it's, it's a true Ganyasoma, like all the way, like they're just, just pissy. Um, but the whole genus is, you know, whether you consider Persinum and, and Belandri and all that other stuff to be, True, you know, Ghani Soma or whatever. Um, it's such a cool group in general, you know, and that's why you know we started USGA because there's a Ghani Soma group on Facebook, or at least a big one, and that's almost entirely people in Europe and stuff like that. And so I was like, you know what? There's, I think there's enough people now in the states that are kind of invested in the in the genus to where we should have kind of our own thing. And you know, I I kind of decided to start it on a whim, and you know when. That was when me and Chaz started talking a good bit about about Jance and I and some of the other stuff. And I was like, you know what? Let's let's throw this together. And we have a strict U.S. only policy. And we've had a ton of people from like France and stuff try to sign up. And I always feel bad hitting decline. But it's like, man, it's like you got you guys got your group, man. Like there's only so few of us over here. We got to all all 50 of us got to stick together. And it it, se- it seems like uh and let me know if you've seen, if you've noticed this too, Justin, like there is a lot, like a, a lot of red tails being hatched overseas. Oh yeah. But it seems like 
for, for just for some reason uh, over here in the US, like there's, there's some like environmental factor or like a food factor that's like not quite lining up. Uh, and like eggs have a really hard time hatching um, or, you know, they'll go a majority of the ways through incubation and the eggs will crash. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, yeah. love, I would love to figure out what, what is, what is really going on with that. I don't know. My initial instinct is that the European crowd, you know, having smaller collections with more focus on, on, on fewer animals probably has a decent hand in that right um maybe like here in the states it's kind of the opposite and i think it's entirely possible that that people get them and think that it's as easy as incubating anything else that we keep commonly over here and i think that's just that's not the case because everything i've heard as far as incubating ganyo eggs is like it's hell that's the tough part you know um I think I, if I do get good eggs out of them, I think I have a pretty good chance with it. I mean, having produced the Boiga and, um, you know, Condras and stuff, I think I've, I kind of have an idea and having guys like Daniel, you know, to be able to pick his brain, if I do get eggs being like, tell me what you did so I can sort of figure out what I need to do. Cause being in South Carolina compared to, you know, I think he's in Kansas. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's definitely an environmental factor there that's going to be different for him than it is for me. Um, and then just kind of figuring it out, because yeah, clearly, like I said, the you know the European crowd has something figured out because they're they seem to be producing them on the regular. It's it seems like every other day there's a picture in that in that big yeah. international Ganyo group that there's you know a clutch hatching. <laughs> And I'm all, I'm always, you know, clicking on that person's profile and it's, oh, they're in France, they're in the UK, they're everywhere but the United States where that success is taking place. And I've been looking for about three and a half years now for true captive born and bred red tails. And I mm-hmm. haven't been able to get my hands on them. Yeah. I do want to, I do want to get oxys at some point. I've, I've only had the Jansen eye and, and the rhinos and the percentum now, but. Um, I'd like to try my hand at oxys. Like I'd be willing to 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 roll the dice on some some imported adults with those. Uh, sort of knowing what I know now in terms of what I've dealt with in the past and stuff. But that's uh that's just a space issue entirely. Right. Uh, I don't know. But what was your so I when I got my my Jansen and I initially I was you know I got them and was fully expecting them to sort of be difficult and pretty headache inducing in terms of issues and keeping them afloat and not having a hard time with them. But I actually found them to be really easy to keep in terms of like they're healthy. I'm not having any issues. Like what was your expectation going in with like the oxys and and the Jansen and I versus sort of what you found to be actually the case? I had already I had already done a ton of research on uh, both those uh, species because, like I said, I had been looking for them for so long, uh, just waiting to buy the right animals. Um, because, like I said, that six foot foot adult uh, is definitely not going in my main room, and having a place 
uh, in the rest of my house to quarantine that. That wasn't like, uh, intrude, like just in an intrusive place inside of my bedroom. Uh, like I have, I currently have just cages lining the side of my bed while these things are in, uh, <laughs> quarantine. And luck- luckily they are small cages. Um, but one thing I was not willing to do was, uh, buy an adult red tail and put it in say a 41 quart tub. Um, cause I don't think, I think that's a big problem on why a lot of these animals, uh, don't end up making it. It's just that super confined space. Um, the ability to not get off the ground, um, and sitting on uh, moist substrate if you're yeah. hydrating them as constantly as they need to be sprayed. Um, there's a lot of guys out there uh, that are using things like like I'm I'm currently using paper that you know as soon as it gets um, significantly wet I can change out uh, when I do a water change. Um, and usually when those, like say, uh, the Jansen eye is in a hide box, I just slide a clean piece of paper, uh, kind of just right underneath them and pull the old one out. Um, a lot of people like bath towels, super easy to change out. Yeah. I've heard that a lot too with, with the true Ganyos in particular. And I've, I always found that interesting cause you don't really hear that being done with other, other species. I haven't done it. I've always just done mine on, on either puppy pads or cypress mulch, like dried out cypress mulch. Which, which cypress mulch does dry out really, really quick. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you soak that stuff down, like the moisture comes right out of it, yeah. uh, which is probably also great for the humidity uh, levels. That, Gives them that nice gradient for a right. period of time. That's um, yeah. Like I got one of those uh, Govi mm-hmm. uh, temperature sensors um and uh the jansen eye and the red tails are both sitting right between 75 and 80 percent humidity um at the bottom of their tub um and like i said about 83 degrees um uh under their heat pads or heat tape uh and then the other side of the tub is just cooling off to room temperature like somewhere between like 72 and 73 degrees mm-hmm. uh, all the time. Um, but yeah, man, I think that, I think that, uh, having them in tubs and just having them on, you know, a wet substrate, something like a cocoa husk, uh, or cocoa fiber with the amount that they need to be misted down in order to hydrate them correctly is, is just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Once, once again, you know, if you're dealing with an immunocompromised animal already and you got, right all kinds of microbes and, and parasites and stuff sort of at the door ready to sort of take over and you're keeping them damp like that, then it's just, you're just adding another layer of, of bullshit to deal with. Right. <clears throat> Cause he, I mean, even when I got my Jansen and I initially, like I didn't keep them on anything but puppy pads and mm-hmm. I really didn't even miss mine that much, but I mean, humidity is also never really an issue down here. Um, no, no. And I never had a bad shed or nothing out of them. They've been rock solid. That's why, I, like, when I got them, I was like, okay, this is like these are going to be another level of of tough compared to whatever you know other stuff I've kept. And then after you know a couple of weeks, I was like, these things are actually doing surprisingly well for the lack of like 
problems I've had. Which, which, how did those animals uh, get to you? Were they already pretty well established? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I will, I will, yeah, I will preface that by saying like they were imported young, not, not hatchlings or neonates or anything like that, but I think uh, juveniles. And then, you know, Doc Lopeman had them for a while. I don't know exactly how long. Um, and they were, you know, I think they were doing fine with him. It was just a matter of like, they were just stressed out and they just weren't good display animals because you never really saw them. Right. Um, so I don't know. I mean, maybe that, maybe I once, if I do get more Jansen, I or oxys and I get sort of imported adults, it may be a very different story in terms of what I dealt with, but I just found them to really not be as hard as I thought they would be. Right. I, I was under the impression that, uh, you know, these things were really going to kick my butt off the, you know, off the mm -hmm. rip. And besides that one that had the regurg is issues, uh, I mean, it doesn't take any more effort to keep these things than, you know, a rhino rat snake. Other than, yeah. uh, you know, I'm looking at the rhinos all the time, and that, you know, that Jansen doesn't want doesn't want to see me mm -hmm. at all. <laughs> yeah. Have you? Aside, you just got a Barons to take to Skylar, but have you kept Barons? I have not previously. Nope. nope. Um, I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> uh, yeah, this Barons is here for a very, very uh, quick hit stop. Because he knows rhinos are better. That's why, Jake. Yeah. Hey, man. I, I, I'm of the. So this is my opinion on the whole thing. I will always say Barons just because Smitty likes rhinos better. <laughs> that's my that's my main driving point for saying Barons are better. Um, but you know I keep Barons, and you know again I feel like this is where me and Smitty kind of bounce off each other as really good co-hosts. Is we kind of keep similar things but opposite. Um, so we kind of. It, we we go together well in that aspect, but you know, as far as We're one like being better, exactly. But as far as one being better than the other, I think it's just what you're initially drawn to, right? You know, I don't think either one is better. Again, you know, all my barons people might might come at me for this. All the rhino people are going to disagree. Yeah, and that's fine because it's okay to be wrong. Um, uh, <laughs> but you know, I love my bearings. I, I absolutely love them. They are fantastic animals are so cool to interact with. But again, I think it's just personal preference, you know, um, barons are amazing. Rhinos are amazing. I love going into Smitty's room and seeing all his rhinos all perched up and hanging out, you know, it, it's, it's freaking awesome. I love know? that. But, and I love my parents, you know, but I think it's just a personal preference thing, you know, whether one is better or not, I think it's in the eyes of the beholder, you know, as far as keeping goes, they're pretty similar, you know, I mean, I've had, I've had no problems with way. my parents. If you put a Barons in one of Stevie Wonder's hands and you put a Rhino in the other hand of Stevie Wonder, yeah, Stevie Wonder would I pick it like, I don't like where this, I don't like that question. <laughs> I will I will say if you put if you put a rhino rat snake in a baron's racer 
in the same cage. The rhino. Is the a, rhino wins. The proven winner. Okay, look, I was trying to make an argument for Rhinos just to be nice because I'm against you even Loafman, guys now. But even Loafman, Barons are better. Loafman okay? even <laughs> even admitted it on air that Rhino Doc Doc Loafman. He's a Barons guy. Well, apparently he thinks Rhinos are superior because he said it on the last CCR episode. He he's still a Barons guy though. He's there's South a reason, American everything guy. There's a reason he keeps Barons and sent you his rhinos. Also, so, there's that. I hope but, they go this year, dude. I'm so, I'm so freaking pumped. No, that, and that, I do like, out of rhinos this year. Oh my god, rhinos are awesome. They really are. I'll say the that. best. But if somebody was like, you can have one of these two snakes. One of them is a Barons. One of them is a rhino. I'm taking the bears. See, the difference is, is like I can I don't have to worry about putting a rhino in the kids' hands and then them getting bit and their hands swelling up like a freaking balloon. That's also why they're cooler. It's debatable. Terrific. And yeah, also I know barons can be kind of annoying with feeding, but the general consensus eh, barons are a little easier to get going than rhinos. That's just been. I'm not saying they're not hard. Barons, I've definitely heard some barons. Nothing good comes easy. Difficult. Right. But nothing worth doing comes easy. This isn't a fair argument. I wish Sky was here so it could be up to on two. Why are you hanging up on this? This isn't fair. You guys are hanging up on me. A lot. And I I think the thing about the rhinos is they're just very. Like, I have found uh, that switching up feeding techniques on, say, a baby. Say you say you get your first rhino rat snake. Uh, I have found that consistently trying to feed them the same exact way, uh, for me at least, has led to success. Whereas if I've tried to take one uh, and say I'm going to do you know just rosy reds, and then the next week I'm going to do uh, just a pinky mouse in the water, and then the next week I'm going to try to tease feed it, and then the next week I'm going to try to drop feed it, uh, I have not had success that way. Uh, at all, actually. Uh, it's the times that I continually try the same technique. Uh, like if I sit there and strike feed with it, you know, hold it in my hand and uh, just the Burwell it... method. Right, the but... Burwell method. Uh, if you do it enough times, it's going to work. Uh, and, and see, I feel that way about everything. Like it's not for me. And again, I'm not saying like you're wrong with just saying that with rhinos at all. Like I agree with you wholeheartedly, but I look at that way with everything, you know, the the more you change it up, the longer it's going to be that they, that they disagree with what you're doing. You know, if one week you're trying this, the next week you're trying this, the next week you're trying this, then you're, you're not going to have success. You know, it has to be, you know, give it some Give it some time, right? You know, give it a couple tries, give it several tries. And then if it's still not working, then switch it up, you know, like, okay, this obviously is not working. Now let's try something different. Try that for several weeks, you know? And one thing that I have found is if you're trying every, you know, again, for small colubrids, we want to get food in them as soon as possible. They're tiny, you know, whether it be rhinos or even your Eastern rat snakes, Mm -hmm. you want to get food in them as soon as possible because they're so small. 
But in the same Dude, token, rhinos are tiny. Yeah, exactly. But in the same token, if you're trying to feed them, like say, let's just take tease feeding for an example. If you're trying to tease feed them every four days to once a week, you're going to stress them out. Mm-hmm. You're going to scare them. You're going to make them scared of food. Right. My opinion is try and then let them sit. Mm-hmm. Let them sit. Let them get hungry. Let them calm down. Try again the same way. If they don't take, let them sit, let them calm down for a while and then go again. Obviously, it's very, it, it's kind of, you have to fine tune it. You you don't want to try every month. Like, yeah, that's right. a little too long in between, but don't try every three days to try and shove a pinky down this thing's throat. Right. Because all you're going to do is make them scared of food. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I've dealt with snakes that are genuinely scared of food. And it's I'm sure not, it's not just you. Yeah, it is, no, it is. I'd be me. scared of you. Yeah, no. Come from the. Never mind. I'm not gonna do that. Uh, Say it. <laughs> no, I'm not Say gonna do it. it. So now with now with uh, rhinos, like I have a couple little females right now. Uh, one that came in from the UK from Ivory, uh, and one from Terry. And now I just do the same thing every time with them. They go into a, they go into a medium crit- uh, critter keeper on a paper towel with a water dish two hides, uh, and a little bit of greenery, you know, something to climb on, uh, 75 degree ambient. And I'll generally leave them for seven to 10 days before I even try to offer food, uh, with them coming in. My man, see Smitty, see Smitty, somebody that agrees with me, leave them alone. See, I'm team like try them the day they come in, give them something. No, if it's a corn snake or something, okay, maybe. But I mean, for certain things, I do that as like a staple. Anything I get that's new, I put them in their enclosure. I let them sit at the very least a week. If it's something like, oh, they eat great, they blah, 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 I let them sit a week. You know, it's one thing when Chris Painshop sends me, you know, established pine snakes and he's like, yo, I they need to eat. They need to eat like as soon as you get them. I let them sit three days, then I might offer something because pituophis just need to freaking eat, or they will literally. Spoiler starve. alert: everything needs to eat. Or, or okay, it, there's lines though. Pituophis will burn off calories and fat really freaking fast. Stuff like a rhino rat will not. They mm-hmm. are a much cooler species. You need to keep them a little cooler. They do not burn yeah, stuff. Neither. N- not nearly as close as Pituophis will. Pituophis will burn through whatever you give them fast as shit. So if you, if it's been a week and then they shipped them and it's been all of, you know, nine, 10 days since they ate, it's like, look, you need to give them some food. That I understand. Stuff like any of your Asian rat snakes, even Eastern rat snakes, they can go a little longer. Let them sit. Let them sit, let them acclimate, let them get used to their environment that they're here's, in. Here's my counter to that. Okay. See, now it's two against one. How do you feel, look, Smitty? Look. How do you no, feel? Here's my logic behind that. I can't okay. go against him. If he produces Jance and I, they're not coming to me. I have, Shut up. To, Shut up, Jazz. <laughs> I have to be on his team. <laughs> Damn. My argument to that is, is like, look, they're already sort of heightened. They're already stressed. It's better, in my opinion, to just go ahead and offer them food and leave them be. Like, feed them and then ignore them. If you're going to do it, at least drop feed. Well, yeah. No, I'm, it's not like I'm in there, like, beating okay. the shit out of them with a okay. mountain of horse nuts. Like, I'm. Okay. 
in, yeah, in, that in, I that I can get behind. If you're just gonna drop something in there, leave them alone. Okay, see if they'll come and eat. That I can get behind. Me, I tongue feed every single snake I have. Pretty much. There's a couple I do drop feed, but I tongue feed pretty much ninety percent of my collection. Everything. Yeah, no, I I don't. You Ain't know, nobody I, got time for that. I do. I make time for it because I care about my animals. Is that why it takes you four hours to get everything fed? No, it takes me four hours to get everything fed because I have no rodeo. Fair. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Okay. <laughs> and there's there's just some like king rats are a pretty good example. Like it doesn't matter if you know the thing just hatched, the thing just shipped. You put food in front of a king rat, like yeah, feed it. It doesn't need you know a week to establish. You just throw a mouse on top of the thing's hide, you know, when you put it in the tub, and it's like, oh, game on. It's time to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it's individual specific. I think rhinos are the prime example of get it and let it sit. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're gonna offer it food, maybe give it a drop fed item. Just see if it takes. If it doesn't, then just leave it alone. Bet you your know, money it will. Off. Yeah. Well, I would not, especially if it's a baby. And like I got uh, in May 2022, I got a pair of rhinos from Matt Most, and I believe they were just eaten out of the water dish. And I want to say uh, I fed them on day probably four or five. Both of those animals ate off tongs and ate off tongs every single feeding up until yeah. now. That's great. I would be interested. Do pet stores still still sell African clawed frogs? Is that still yes. a thing? Yes. How much are those usually at PetSmart? Very cheap. That would be interesting to try out. Right. Baby rhinos as an alternative. Because I try I did tadpoles when I when just I got my first rhino from Terry. Just don't, just don't tell them that. Well, obviously they're like, why are you buying free. ten of these? It's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Shut up. I mean, honestly, if you're getting a rhino though, I mean it's gonna end up in the vent anyways. So I mean Pitch. <laughs> This uh the rhino that I got from uh Terry uh like a few days after I got it, this thing was so small. Uh you know the lid on the critter keeper, it kind of latches yeah. shut. Yeah. This thing squeezed out of the top of the critter keeper. What? So then this only confirms my suspicions that Terry's rhinos are cursed because my first rhino came from Terry and I lost it after a week and never got it back. No. Yeah. No. Oh my god. And but before yeah, it, I before remember before it left, <laughs> before it before jumped it ship, <laughs> I offered it tadpoles because I had those patatas tadpoles, and that thing went ham on those. So that makes me wonder African clawed frogs as a possible option. Very small clawed frogs. Because even then, normally the ones like this come from a guy that used to be a PetSmart employee. This was a very long time ago. Like last um, week. No, no, it's been, I worked there like, I think I worked there when I was 18 and then when I was 20, when last I moved week. to Texas and I needed a job. Bitch, I'm 27. Okay. It's, it's been, it's been a long time. Um, but even the smallest African clods that we get, that PetSmart would get, would be, in my opinion, a little big for, a very tiny. Well, it wouldn't be like a very tiny. 
I don't know. It was just a thought that popped into my head. I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying yes, it's you okay. Are. I'm saying it's okay to be wrong, buddy. You know, <laughs> but Justin, what would you compare hatchling rhinos to? Like, what what is a what is a comparable size hatchling colubrid? In terms of like weight, yeah, I would probably say so, eastern rats. Cyania. Eastern okay. rats are close, like baby Everglades. Yeah, yeah, freaking well, tiny, dude. Yeah, you should see the one rhinos, I've had from Chris for a couple months now. This thing is rhinos are one of those ones that like you forget how damn tiny they are until you see them like right there, you know. When they're little, little. I mean, I think I think you could ship them in a two ounce portion cup. Oh yeah, <laughs> like yeah, they are they are really that small. Yeah, I think they're longer, but just as skinny as baby hawk nose snakes. They're a good bit longer, but are you sure? Yeah, I'm, I literally just got two baby hawk noses, and I gave them both the smallest pinkies I could find in my pack. And one of them was like a little bigger than the other. And the one that got the slightly bigger one was like struggling. And it was, I was almost a little afraid that it was going to choke on this thing, but they were the smallest pinkies I could find in my pack. So like I would gauge, you know, again, I don't keep rhinos. I only know what I've seen from Smitty and his ending up in the vents. Um, <laughs> they're okay. small, they're tiny, you know, so they take those really tiny, you know, rodents. Um, I mean, those that the, the tail of a baby rhino is like like eight pound test fishing line. Oh, yeah, like it is, yeah, it is. It's kind of daunting when that when that little tail is right. Was there even blood getting to that? Yeah, I don't know. Are there any projects or species you want to you're looking to get into in the near or distant future? Let's see. Poplar uh, carpets. Projects. I'm definitely growing projects uh, this year. Uh, still growing the rhino project. As uh, you should. Yes, I have nine right now. Um, that's not enough. I have five, and that's not enough. Um, I'm I'm shoot I'm shooting for I think a dozen females. And I think uh, five males is going to do it for that project. Um, when, you, when are you getting barons? Um, I'll let you know after the podcast. Glossing, <laughs> glossing no, over that. You need, you need to let me know when you leave Skylar's. Okay. That's when you need to let me know when you're getting barons. Because it's not going to be a matter of if you get barons. It's going to be a matter of when. So... I hear you. Yeah. Just shoot me a message once you leave Skyler's. <laughs> I will. <laughs> um, I will. Um, projects to grow. I've got a lot of stuff uh, recently. Um, a lot of things that uh, I'm growing up that I haven't even, you know, produced yet. Um, try not to expand too quick, especially, uh, you know, I ha when I have things like the Jansen Eye, the Red Tail Green Rats. Um, that are going to be of significant size and need significant size enclosures. Yeah. Um, 
but um, definitely looking to add some anoles this year, some more anoles. Nice. Um, yeah, so nice. I'm thinking some Jamaican turquoise anoles. Um, Dude, that whole genus is like, if people only knew how Dude, awesome that genus some. was outside of the U.S., Ugh. like, it's unbelievable. I mm-hmm. want some so freaking bad dude i'm not gonna lie like there's another lizard to like get into i would go with those giant anoles man they are so freaking cool uh, i the, love them uh western giants are arguably my favorite animal yeah like uh <laughs> they're so cool their their diet is really cool uh like i have uh i have strawberries in their cage right now and i've just you know uh, chop the top off of some strawberries, you know, I eat the actual berry and they just, you know, I, I stick the strawberry cap on a little branch and they just kind of pick at that. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> blueberries, raspberries. Um, I fed them pinky mice a few weeks ago. Um, crickets, dubia, pangea, like anything and everything. Anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they'll eat, I mean, another uh, large part of their diet in the wild is, you know, other anoles. Uh, they're up in the canopy and they pretty much eat all the other smaller anoles uh, on the tree as they go down. Brown anoles, baby. Need to get some of those. I had some brown anoles hatch last night. Some Daytona locality browns. Nice. <laughs> Sounds like a good feeder to me. <laughs> they, are, they are teeny though. I was, I was yeah. just saying... Uh, that it's hard to believe. Like I can, I cannot remember them being this small, and they're like an inch long, sitting on the top of my finger, like they're a little morning gecko or something. Like, I, I mean, the the Western Giants are pretty large. Like they're about thirteen inches right now, uh, and they're not, they're not they're not even mature yet. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're the largest of the Crown Giants. So, like the biggest Cuban night and all that you've seen uh these will be bigger like uh if you look on uh ron st pierre's instagram uh it might be under uh fairy tale dragons like he has a couple pictures holding them on his hands and they are they are huge (laughs) like they're very impressive animals yeah those are freaking cool man i saw i was stalking your I was stalking your Instagram a little earlier today just to look over some things. I saw one of your big annuals that you've got. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's freaking sweet, man. I love I love those things, man. They're so stinking cool. And like like as far as a project, like they mature somewhere between like nine months and a year old. Uh, they lay like if you get them really, really on track, they'll lay one egg a week. And the egg hatches wow. uh, in like somewhere, I think, be- I believe in between like 30 and 45 days. Hmm. It's like That's very awesome. short, very short incubation. Uh, lots of eggs if you dial the husbandry in. Um, very variable diet. Um, and they're as calm as can be. My 18 month old son holds the Western Giants. Like I posted a picture just a couple days ago and it's sitting on top of his head. I like, saw that. They've, yeah. They they don't bite. 
uh, I just reach my hand right in there and scoop them up. Um, but as soon as those animals get outside, it's like catching a, you know, a wild <laughs> night and all. They're just rogue at that point. Yeah. Like as soon as they're, as soon as you put them outside. The UV turns Mm-hmm. The radiation awesome. makes me disappear. I guess. I guess the only the only other thing that I'm, as far as a project that I'm really looking to, like a serious project that I'm looking to expand into, would be uh, Patias Carinata. I don't have them because I cannot afford them. <laughs> yeah, Which I, always, I find that ironic too, because that's. Like in their native range, like it's a stupid common species, and I don't, they don't strike me as anything that'd be super difficult to keep, you know, just a big fast snake, right? Uh, I think I believe the export quota on them is generally really low. Like, I've looked at a couple lists, and you'll see, you'll see things like the export quota on something like red tail green rat snakes is like 80 animals, and on the Carinata, it's like two. Wow. <laughs> people that have to catch them are like, I don't want to get these damn things. Right. Plus, plus <laughs> I want to bag this shit up. If they're huge adults, you know, the, the space that animal takes up in an import crate compared to a lot of these other things yeah. um, may not seem very, very worth it. Yeah. And I am, I am after uh, wild types on those. I'm not a huge fan of the melanistic mm -hmm. i like the i like that the wild types have uh more of a variable pattern uh there's a little bit more to look at um some of those man the pattern looks so much like a banded king right like right. it's like if you looked at a picture like the back half of like a banded king cobra and then you look at the back half of like a coronata mm -hmm. the similarity is just uncanny it's 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 wild and there, there's definitely some animals uh, coming into the country. Uh, like there's some animals available through Northern Lights right now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're, they're $5,000 for a pair. Jesus Christ. Yeah. On, on animals that, that, are, that are not even confirmed if they're uh, captive born and bred or just captive hatched. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess isn't a, isn't a huge deal. Like like we said, if they're if they are coming in as babies, um, but I imagine that animal grows significantly quick, and uh, that's you get you out of freaking house and home. Right, you can't ju you can't just jam that thing in an eight foot enclosure. Like I think even eight foot is going to be is going to be far too small for that animal mm -hmm. as an adult. I think it's going to fly around that cage and mess its face all up, um, destroy everything. Right, uh, which my plan, hopefully, uh, when I move, uh, not this summer, but the following summer, 2024, uh, we're specifically looking for a house with a basement uh, so I can put up huge grow tents uh, and do those more flighty animals in those cages, which is my plan for the Jansen Eye and Red Tails, um, is to have those animals in grow tents. They can't see out at all, holds humidity super well. Um, you know, you just outfit them with potted plants and hanging hides, uh, big water dishes and towels on the floor. Yeah, and it'd be pretty easy to mount a, some way, you know, have a way to have a camera on them, like oh, inside, yeah. you know, and be able to even uh -huh. just check in and, and see what they're doing without having to open it up and disturb them. Right. 
And I, th- I think that's, that's even my plan with the blue beauties when they're adults, especially when, you know, a big PVC cage is, you know, an eight, two, two might cost you what seven, eight hundred dollars somewhere in that Short, range. Probably, yeah. probably more than that. And that, I mean, uh, a grow tent the size of this room that I'm in, you know, I don't know, 10 by 10 by six might run you like $300. Right. I've seen some people do that with monitors. Oh, yeah. Kind of thing. Cool. It makes sense. Yeah. It's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could. Hmm. Awesome, man. Well, we're at the two hour marks. Maybe do we have any? Any further questions before we um, write this one out? I don't think so. Good deal, man. Well, we really appreciate you coming on this episode. This has been a very fun one. I think me and Smitty have both generally enjoyed it. And um, you definitely got Smitty off with it, all this uh, Ganya <laughs> talk. Um, but if we were talking about Neroti, your tune would change. Uh, yeah, we Rodeo and rat snakes, man. It's my jam. Where but where can, can people you? where can people find you, man? Uh, I am currently only on Instagram right now, as far as social media. Um, at more than Morelia, uh, I am planning on firing up a Facebook page. Uh, I haven't used my old one that I had back in the day in a very long time. Um, I'm just going to start over fresh. Um, animals available on Morph Market, uh, also under More Than Morelia. Fantastic. Awesome. This episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram. You know where to go. Use the code THN to check out. Get 10% off your order. And then go to stevesnakesray.com and get yourself the whole set of Venom Hot Sauce. You won't regret it. You'll regret either one. Either, either one. Purchases. Get both and you'll be... There's no way you could even be upset or yeah. disappointed. Yeah. Can't happen. No, it won't. That, 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 that's on THP sure. for sure. You will, you we will, will return Monday night for Snakes and Stogies 152. And I don't know. We're about to do for another Corn Stars episode here soon. So have to figure that out. Slate read raffle happening on the Herpeticulture Network website. Yeah. Please check that out. Grab some slots. Help out our yeah. buddy Ryan. Um, we had him on the last episode. Yes. Yeah, he kind of goes into detail about what's going on with the sunset. Yeah. And uh, definitely check out the raffle. It's a it's a really good variety of stuff. It's not just you know even it's not even all reptile related. I think there's I think Ryan, our buddy Ryan, put up like a Jack Daniels fleece on it's a there. North Face brand jacket, yeah. and it's actually stupid nice because I have it here, yeah. and that thing is like if 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 it it's too small for my gigantic ass, but <laughs> that thing if you're, is if you're my size, hell. it will fit you. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff on there from animals to gear to bags and fleeces and pictures and you know the, the i think this this raffle was a prime example of how the community can pull together and just really do some awesome stuff so definitely check out the raffle um and see what's on there see if anything fits your needs you know it's not a lot to get in on most of them and yeah a chance to win some cool shit so we have the the ping pong balls ready for drawing so. yes sir 
I'm anxious. Are we gonna, to, we're going to make that a live episode and try. Are we going to try and get everybody in the network on for that? Or yeah, we haven't even thought about that yet. But yeah, I yeah. say we. I say we should try. Get I mean, it's definitely going to be. It's going to be the twenty seventh, which is a Monday, so it would fall on a Saturday uh, night, anyways. I can't do Mondays, man. I gotta work. I think my I think you're gonna job. be sick that that night. It's hard to call. Out I think you're gonna be sick job. that night. <laughs> I will do my best. On Monday's, that note, Monday's my serving day. So. This man has to get to bed because he's got to be up at four a.m. And I I told him this would only take an hour and a half, and we're past that. So sorry, sorry, buddy. I'm with you, buddy. I gotta be up. Ask Crack a Dawn. So we appreciate you, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks, everybody. Man. Have a good evening. You too. Good morning. Good day. Whenever you're listening to this. Thank you.